Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to La Liga Lowdown Match Day 14 Recap Podcast. I'm Sam Leverage and I'm joined today by Rory Barlow. How are you doing, Rory? Yeah, I'm well. I'm not too bad. It seemed like we were drifting to a, to a relatively quiet weekend in La Liga, but we that couldn't couldn't do, could it, Sam? It had to had to have a twist at the end, didn't it? Yeah, I think the La Liga gods have seen that you've been off to Rome recently and couldn't let you be dragged away by by Serie. So they have to throw up some drama late on Sunday night just to make everything a bit more interesting. But let's start off with the the headline story, Rory, which was obviously the return of, of Xavi to Barcelona. I mean, you're a Barcelona fan. I mean, how excited were you for, for the game this weekend? Uh, I had I sort of cleared the room. I had it on the big TV. Everything was set. I, I, it, there was certainly a sense of anticipation and you saw that hours before the game. Fans turning up, flares. It looked like a proper sort of football club that was sure of itself the fans wanted to be there the attendance was almost double what it was against Alaves um, recently which kind of really shows you the effect that Xavi can have on the club in a way I'm almost glad this game didn't go swimmingly well because it puts the brakes on things a little bit and it sort of reminds everyone of of the task at hand here now that has to be the most optimistic Barcelona fans say they're happy with a, a disappointing 1-0 win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, it is pretty grim times, as you can tell. Yeah, so let's jump into that then, because you spoke to, to Roman, your fellow Kule. So let's just listen in to, to the winning goal, the, the penalty, controversial penalty, and hear what you and Roman had to say about the game. Memphis, viene el Barça. Diego López entre palos, Memphis. Gol, 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 Against Espanol in El Derby de Barcelona, I'm joined by Roman de Arquer, who has kindly given up some of his Sunday morning to chat about it with us. How are you doing, Roman? Hi, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty happy to finally see uh, Xavi debut uh, at the Camp Nou with Barcelona. I mean, uh, it's something we needed. And as a matter of fact, I was able to go to the stadium uh, to watch that game and you could just feel, uh, you know, that the crowd, the people were so excited about uh, this game it was a different atmosphere completely different before the game people were already waiting for the players for Xavi uh, chanting you know jumping shouting during the sta- during the game also everyone was really excited also lots of chants of Xavi Xavi that kind of stuff you know so you can tell people are excited once again and are looking forward to this new tenure with uh, Xavi uh, in charge Barcelona got their first win after uh, after a sort of very contentious Memphis Depay penalty they were pretty good for the first sort of hour I thought not so much in the last half hour the last 20 minutes certainly what did you make of Xavi's first match what were your first impressions and yeah yeah did we see anything different from them well I mean I I thought it was a decent game especially the first uh, 30 minutes or so I thought Barca was, was dominating pretty well Espanyol were 
uh, weren't looking to have the ball clearly. They wanted to, to wait at the back to try and uh, defend uh, their goal and maybe in the second half uh, look for that opportun- those opportunities which they actually found. But overall, I think the, dom- the dominance from the game was clearly from Barcelona. Um, I, I wouldn't say there was much of a change, but I mean, there was intention of having the ball, of trying to press higher up, recovering as quick as possible. But of course, it's hard to keep up that rate uh, during the whole 90 minutes. So, of course, in the second half, uh, the team struggled a bit more. They were um, maybe lacking uh, the consistency they were showing in the first half. And I'm not sure if it's physical, if it's uh, a matter of tactics or what. Although Xavi did say that it wasn't really a physical matter. It was uh, more in terms of that they had to work on uh, keeping the team you know concentrated during the whole game um, but overall I think it, it was a decent start it could have been a draw clearly because Espanyol were also quite decent they had some very good chances through Raul de Tomas but thankfully uh, this time luck was on Barca's side something they've been lacking during the whole uh, season so in this sense it's good to start off with a victory three points for Xavi and especially against uh, rivals such as Espanyol. Yeah, and a lot. Nico went off, as did Busquets. Gavi was also substituted at one stage. This is a Finn Barcelona squad, and Dani Alves is so far the only reinforcement that we can see being brought in. He's 38. He obviously comes from Sao Paulo. He hasn't uh, played since September when his contract was, was mutually terminated. He can't play until January. What exactly do you think... Barcelona are looking to get from Dani Alves between now and the end of the season? Well, um, in, in the press conference before the game, uh, Xavi was obviously asked about Dani Alves, why he, he decided to, to accept him into the team. And a word he kept using with him and, and overall with his whole discourse was uh, uh, being positive, you know, positivism. He was uh, really convinced that uh, Dani Alves could bring that positivity into the uh, the dressing room towards the players, especially so many young players you mentioned, like Nico, Gabi, etc. And also, of course, he has lots of experience. He knows what it's like to win at a big club, and especially, or particularly, at Barcelona. And he also said that physically, uh, Dani Alves uh, did his medical test and all that, and he was perfect. You know, he's in great shape. Uh, he's, he's, he's still capable of playing at the highest level. And so it's just a matter of seeing how he actually does at the club. Uh, he won't be able to debut until January. Uh, but uh, from there on, I'm sure we'll see him quite a lot because, to be honest, none of the right-back options are very convincing at the moment with Mingueza, who for me had was probably the poorest Barca player yesterday. He didn't have a... Uh, sorry, yesterday on, on the game against Barca a Espanyol. And um, then you have Sergi Roberto, who isn't really an ideal option either, and Serginho Dest, who's maybe disappointed a bit and a bit more was expected. So I'm sure Dani Alves is going to get uh, lots of chances in this game, uh, in this game and in this team, we should say better. And so I do think it's a decent option, you know, to keep in mind to have there. And if he doesn't do well, I mean, in the end, they're paying him the actual bare minimum they can pay to a player. So you're not wasting too much money. So I think it's worth the risk, worth it cha- taking the chance and uh, making Dani Alves try and uh, motivate his fellow teammates and himself because you could see he's extremely looking forward to, to playing and returning to Barcelona. So I think in the end, uh, even if it doesn't go too well, we won't be uh, losing too much, you know, so it's a risk worth taking, I'd say. Dani Alves bring, brings back the the good crazy, as he would say. <laughs> it was a bit of a mental end to that game with Espanyol hitting the post twice. Nani de Mata missed a really golden opportunity. Just a kind of a quick word on Espanyol. What did you make of them and and their game? Because they, they didn't look bad, but they were pretty conservative initially and had the chances to, to certainly take something from the game. Yeah, I actually was quite surprised uh, to see that they decided to, to wait behind so much in the first half, seeing how they created a lot of danger, you know, in the second half when when they needed that goal, they pushed forward. Uh, Raul de Tomas, he was really good for them. He had those uh, couple of he the post twice, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And he generated danger and Espanol overall, you know, were capable of having the ball. Darder was also fantastic in that midfield. He was uh, the metronome for Espanyol in that game. And I thought that um, with these two guys inspired, they could actually do do much more. But for some reason, Vicente Moreno decided to kind of wait it out and try and uh, get a late goal. And in the end, it didn't work out for them, you know. But Espanyol have proven this season that they're a very good uh, team, you know. They, they took them a bit 
uh, to get into action. The, the beginning of the season, they were struggling a bit, but now they're getting results uh, and they're in a comfortable position, I'd say, in the standings. And they have quality, honestly, to, to save themselves comfortably uh, and to push for the mid, top mid-table, I'd say, because uh, the team is decent and, and the quality is there. You know, It's just a matter of maybe being braver. I know it's a derby against Barcelona, the Camp Nou, that, of course... Uh, gives a lot of respect, you know, for teams uh, going there. But uh, sometimes it's worth being brave, and I think it would have paid off uh, for Espanyol. One team that showed Barcelona very little respect in the first tie was Benfica when they played them in the Champions League. They beat them 3-0 in the Estadio de Luz. This is such a key game for Barcelona, and sensations won't really cut it. This is the game that Barcelona and Xavi have to win in the sort of short term. What do you make of their prospects in this match against a Benfica side that looked pretty good and until sort of the 75th minute or so were were competing with Bayern in the last match as well? Yeah, I mean, um, it's not going to be easy. It's possibly going to be even tougher than the game against Espanyol. And uh, also... Xavi's had little time, you know, so it's it's he's not going to be able to change much because a game you play on Saturday, then the next one uh, a few days later. So, uh, and it's also taking into account that we might have some further setbacks with maybe Nico or Busquets or those guys who or Mingueza who didn't finish the match. So we have to see whether they're going to be available. Added up to all the injuries we already have, it's going to be tough, and anything can really happen. But I mean, I still trust this team. There's still a lot of quality, and I think they can still actually win at home in the Camp Nou with the fans if, the, if we have a similar attendance than we had with, with the Espanyol game I think that would be very very positive but also let's not forget that here um, in this game Abde who was fantastic against Espanyol he won't be able to play uh, because he hasn't been signed up for the Champions League and Elias who was the other kid who started in that uh, wide position he won't be able to play either because he was suspended in the Champions League youth game so that affects also uh, top tier level so uh, that's very unfortunate. It's going to be complicated. I mean, there's so, so many setbacks, but I mean, a 1-0 win again counts. we still got quality players with Gabi, with Memphis, uh, Frankie de Jong, etc. And they have to, you know, step up and, and do the best they can because uh, defeat or getting knocked out basically in the Champions League would be a massive blow. Not, not for Xabi as much, but for Barca, you know, for their economy, for, for their status, for what they want to appear and achieve. So, I mean, it would, be, it would be terrible. So they have to do whatever they can. And as I said, it won't be easy at all. Certainly as close to must-win territory as you can get at this stage of the season. I shall let you go and enjoy your Sunday morning, Roman. But thank you very much for attending us once again and for your brilliant insight. Thank you very much and uh, see you soon. Thanks, Roman. Thanks, Rory. So... Yeah, kind of a, a positive win for Barcelona that they might have hoped for more, but a good result nonetheless. Three points on the board, but maybe it was a little bit more bittersweet seeing the result the next day on Sunday as Real Madrid went to Granada. I mean, this is the kind of fixture that Real Madrid haven't necessarily been at their best in in recent years, but they thrashed Granada 4-1 and that put them on top of La Liga at match day 14. I mean, how long do we think that Real Madrid can stay there, Rory? Well, it could be a while. Nobody really looks like taking top spot off them for some time. I think it'll be interesting to see them come up against some of the more difficult teams in La Liga. I do think their run's been relatively, I don't want to say easy of late, but it's not been the most difficult. I think, for me, Real Madrid, they are starting to get into the habit of winning games comfortably. And if you look across La Liga, it's one of the tightest leagues in a long time. And we've said that, we've praised it, it's fun. It's exciting, but the fact that Real Madrid are able to sort of coast to a 4-1 win without really stretching their legs too much is, is a really positive sign for them. And we, we've seen this with Ancelotti teams before where they kind of start off really well. It, it's all going swimmingly. But in this league, if you get out to a, to a proper lead and you sort of put some distance between yourself and the chasing pack, that might be enough for Ancelotti this year. His big... I don't want to say weakness because he's got a very good CV and he's won a lot of leagues, but his the the largest blot on his copybook, so to speak, is his perhaps record in winning leagues with title-winning squads, shall we say. And so if he can get out to that lead, that could really go some way to, to securing the title for them already. Yeah, I mean, I think looking at it and looking at the next three weeks in particular, I mean, against Granada, they were very impressive and 
I think one thing to highlight from that Granada win as well was the four goals had assists from the three midfielders. Tony Cruz got two, Luka Modric and Casemiro. And obviously that's a big factor for Real Madrid, having those three back at their best. I mean, it seems like they never age, but to have those three at the top of their game, they're better than any other La Liga midfield by some distance. So I think that's a big factor. But then, I mean, looking at the next three, four weeks, I mean, they've got Sheriff in the in the Champions League in midweek, which, which should be an easy game for them but we saw how much they struggled at home and, and lost to Sheriff so maybe it won't be as easy as we expect and then the same day we've got Karim Benzema's court case in France over the back blackmail situation going on there so that can throw a spanner in the works if things don't go as they're expecting but then after that I mean they've got Sevilla at home Real Sociedad away Inter Milan in the Champions League followed by Atletico Madrid at the Bernabeu I mean they're four very tough games that they're going to have to get good results from I mean Going back to that point on the midfield, I mean, these guys are good, but they are getting older. Can they perform like that 90 minutes two times a week for the next few weeks? I mean, we're getting into the crunch time of the season now. I mean, if Real Madrid can come through into kind of late December with the lead in the Liga, I think they'll they'll probably be able to see it through and, and almost certainly, I'd say, be champions come the end of the season. But any slip up in those few games and the confidence starts to wobble and... And there's a few doubts and question marks. And I think maybe they could come unstuck. I mean, it's so tight at the top of La Liga as things stand at the moment. I mean, 14 games played and there's four points between the top four. I mean, it's been some time since we've seen so many teams up in contention, isn't it? Definitely. I'd agree with all that. My one perhaps doubt is with sort of the other title contenders in the top four, you mentioned there, Real Sociedad. They drew against Valencia today, we'll, we'll come on to that, but I, I'm not sure they have the depth. As much as I want to believe it, I think everyone wants to have them in and around that race. It's a really tough ask for, for Emmanuel Aguacil and Real Sociedad to be in and around it. Sevilla, we've seen, they do have the talent, they've got the manager to, to make it all the way to the end of the season, but whether they can do that two seasons in a row... I don't think we there's enough to say that they've dramatically improved. Not, maybe not necessarily their squad, but they're starting eleven this season, and 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 they don't look better to me at this point. Uh, just to be bluntly honest. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. That, I mean, the two draws for this weekend for for Sevilla and for Real Sociedad. I mean, they got up against teams who play very different football, very physical, very direct. I think that causes problems for both teams. I mean, these are the games where they need to be coming out with points if they are going to mount a title challenge and it's been kind of where they've fallen away in the last couple of years and I think we're seeing it now as well. I mean, obviously injuries are starting to play a factor and tired legs as well. I mean, I think where these teams could blow sides away earlier on in the season, they're struggling to do that now and I think this is maybe where the quality... I mean, Atletico Madrid this weekend needed the 87th minute winner from Felipe but that's where we see the... The Atletico Madrid, maybe even the Barcelona, has some of that experience and star quality in their squad that that will help grind out those results. While Real Sociedad and Sevilla haven't quite cut that that elite level to be to be in a title challenge. I mean, that would be kind of my takeaway from this weekend. Yeah, I, I mean, I I was astounded to see that Rafa Mir is actually outperforming his xG by about point three, which is is news to me because he's missed. Some really good chances for for my money. They don't have a source of goals. I mean, their goal at right at the end against Alaves is Rakitic. The ball falls to him in the box, and yeah, okay, they did have chances before that, and Rakitic probably should have scored one before that. But it it's a goal that sort of breaks to you, and, and it comes from being in and around the area. But at the same time, that's not a sort of a consistent, reliable source of goals you can get, and they just yeah, they they, they don't convince me. To, to put it yeah very simplistically so so to speak yeah I think that's a, a fairly fair assessment I mean just touching back on on Atletico Madrid because I mean they did get the three points but again we've kind of had this feeling with Atleti in the last few weeks that they're grinding out just about enough results but other than that they're not really at the top of their game I mean this was almost trademark 2013-14 Atleti with the set-piece late-headed winner <laughs> rather than last season's Atleti, which was very free-flowing and, and dynamic. I mean, do you think it's just kind of the squad getting a bit worn out? I mean, we're starting to see kind of the, the problems of the lack of depth in their squad. I mean, Vesalico started and was replaced by Carlos Martin. 
the young right back with Trippier out injured and Marco Llorente just coming back. A few different knocks around the squad as well. Do you think that Atleti can kind of recover their best form, or are we going to see them continue to to pick up points, but but without ever really challenging the the top dogs? Um, I, th- I certainly think they're capable. I do think some. I mean, we mentioned this at the start of the season. They just don't have any depth in defence. They basically don't have any fullbacks at the minute. I mean, Carrasco's playing left wing back, and that works in that specific system, but it's not interchangeable if you want to change that. Renan Lodi. Again, as much as he can be effective going forward, Simeone very clearly does not trust him in a back four as the left back. And yeah, you, you take Versalco out and, and you don't have another sort of out-and-out proven option. That, I think, is playing a part. I think Llorente coming back will really help them because he just covers so much ground that he makes the pitch smaller for the other team, essentially. And that, that really helps helps when they're defending which is really their big issue at the minute and it it's surprising it's really surprising that Atleti and in particular Simeone have allowed themselves to be this short at the back given where they've come from and you you mentioned 13-14 in that season I'm imagining the 1-0 wins then even though they weren't necessarily that convincing inspired you with a lot more confidence than they are now. Yeah, I don't think you can be too confident, even after his heroics this weekend with Felipe in central defence. I think his performances of late are always going to leave you on edge. But let's leave it there for, for the top dogs in La Liga and let's go to a quick break before we look at the bottom half of La Liga where we had plenty of drama this weekend, some, some surprises as well, both good and bad. So stay tuned and we'll be back shortly with the rest of the action from match day 14. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome back to La Liga Lowdown Match Day 14 recap. And so let's start off in the second half with the, the late drama on Sunday night as it was announced by Elche that they'd sacked coach Fran Escriba. He was in his second spell at the club. And I mean, it came as a bit of a surprise to me at least. I mean, looking at Elche, I mean, they dropped into the relegation zone with a, a really abysmal 3-0 home defeat to Real Betis. And, and the first half in particular was was pretty shambolic but I mean Elche haven't really been that bad this season have they Rory? Not for me no and yeah okay it was a grim first half but you don't sack a manager for for the first half and so the, their run of form isn't bad enough to suggest a sacking for me. I wonder if I mean I mean I should say I, I did look at the comments below the um below the Elche announcement, and a lot of them did actually say, thanks Fran Escriba, you're a legend, blah, blah, blah. But 
this was time, this had to happen, which surprised me a lot, I have to say. I don't think that they necessarily have the quality to be sort of towards the middle of the table, maybe. I, I, I mean, they're a point off, rather, off safety, which is not too far from where they are aiming to be. So yeah, to, I mean, to sack them at this point. Survival on the final day, it seems a strange call, but I guess the start of the season, obviously they got some points against Sevilla, Athletic, they were pretty impressive against... Aleti as well. I mean, I guess it's the last couple of weeks where they've gone off a little bit. I mean, the the defeat to Alaves was obviously a blow. But I mean, against Real Madrid, they weren't bad. Against Mallorca, it was only a last-minute equaliser from Mallorca. I mean, it does seem like results haven't been going their way, but it does seem harsh. So so let's listen in to, to Keith Farnan, our, our resident Elche fan, who's who sent us his thoughts on the decision. So the news that every... Elche fan has been has been dreading has finally finally come true and it's uh, a very very painful bit of news too uh, Franis Griba has been sacked by the club after our 3-0 loss at home to Real Betis it was a uh, it was an appalling early performance anyway the first half hour potentially the worst performance I've seen in a half hour space by by any La Liga club in in the last couple of years, definitely this season, and uh, it's it's resulted in Franis Ribal losing his job after not even a not even a full year at the club, the club that he's he's loved and adored in, and it's a it's a sad sad day, Fran obviously. Knew the club very well. He came in last season and he um, he he saved us uh, incredibly. Pulled off the great escape. You know we're left we're left eighteenth this season on goal difference. Uh, every game we're competitive. We may not win a lot of games, but by the same token, you know we're always competitive. And we're always in games. We just can't get over the line. Tonight, this game against Real Betis, it was the it was only the second game we've lost by more than a goal. The other being the the Villarreal game. It just feels like there was an air of inev- inevitability about it, but myself and other Alja fans are are very very confused because while we can see the point of view that it's it's definitely what what could be seen as the right option to uh, the board. It never felt like they wanted Fran Escriba. Even back when they when when they sacked Pacheta after the the sensational promotion story, it was it, it was for Jorge Almiron when Escriba was was available. And it was only when things went really bad and the fans weren't happy with the board that they went and they got club legend, Fran Escriba, the best manager I've ever seen manage a club, the best manager that most people have ever seen manage a club. But it was never a case of that's who they wanted. It was more of a case of, well, it will uh, appease the fans and he knows the club Um if we go down with Fran Escriba, at least the fans will have someone that can kind of be trusted. So it never properly felt like the board really wanted Fran, and uh, which which is really really sad. And it it's definitely it became very apparent to me in the uh, in the summer transfer window. Uh, obviously a couple of good signings etc. But the squad is. It's nowhere near good enough. Uh, I'm looking at at different players in the squad, and I'm looking at the likes of uh, Baragan. You know, was a great fullback. Now I'm not sure he starts for any other club in the top two divisions of Spain. Gerard Gombao, I, I don't know how he he is uh, he's starting games for us. And you know, there's there's plenty more players who aren't uh, aren't good enough, and I think that's that's the bigger issue here. Franis Gribao was keeping us competitive and um, me and I think most other Elche fans 
definitely backed him to to turn it around. Uh, no, no matter how bleak it's looked this season, but the decisions made now, uh, there is talk of other managers, seeing uh, Paco Emeth, but the big one seems to be Hernan Crespo. He seems to be the favour for the job. Uh, another Braggernick client. To me, I I would back him if he if he joins, or I'll back anyone who joins. But I feel like. If it is to be him or someone like him, it is such a big risk compared to Fran Escriba as most likely an unproven Argentinian manager coming into La Liga. Could be another Almiron. But that's my thoughts on the matter. Um, as always, siempre elche. Thanks, Keith. Uh, so, Rory, let's talk about replacements. I mean, a lot of the talk is about Hernan Crespo, obviously, kind of a legendary player. What do you think of that? That speculation. He's, he's a manager that I really like. Um, I have to say, I've seen his defense and justicia side in Argentina, and I think that's where he had the most success. Won the Copa Sudamericana with them. They. He also went to Sao Paulo. Didn't work out quite as well for him. But I think the way he speaks, certainly. I mean, this is a very rough impression, but he, he's an option that I quite like. I do wonder with uh, Brigarnik, did sort of a Cumin situation. If, happened here where he brought Escriba in, did a job that was perhaps too good to sack him for, but never really quite believed in him, and so decided to get rid. For you, who who's who are the other options, Sam? Well, I mean, I'm going to turn up with, with my <laughs> exclusive moment. Uh, <laughs> a lot of speculation, which is throwing some, some sound effects. Exclusiva. No, but I was just on a flight from, from London to Madrid and Aito Caranca was just in front of me. So when you WhatsApp me landing and I was like, what do you mean that Fran Escriba has been sacked? <laughs> My first thought was Aito Caranca is two rows in front of me. I need to try and grab him and ask him if he's going to Elche. But no, I mean, I think for me, the the Crespo link makes sense. I mean, obviously the Elche have a lot of links to South America, to Argentina. So I'm sure they'll be very aware of what Crespo has done down there in Argentina and in Brazil. So I think that, that does seem to be kind of the the leading candidate. Other name I saw was, was Javi Gracia. Um, I guess after his time in Valencia, that, that could be an interesting one, but, but it's still very early days. I mean, the decision was only made on Sunday night and so soon after the final whistle, it doesn't seem like it was one that's been planned out for a, for a while. So, so, I mean, I guess it, it'll be interesting to see Elche in the next few weeks. I mean, another coach who was under pressure not so long ago was, was Javi Calleja, but I mean... Results have started to come through for Alaves, and we already touched on their draw with with Sevilla from the Sevilla point of view. But I mean, this was a really good result for Alaves, wasn't it? To go to the bit one, pick up a point, score two goals. I mean, not many teams can do that. Definitely, definitely. I think Alaves for me are the most impressive job by a manager thus far um, in the league because if you look at Look at the midfield and the attack that he's setting out with. Okay, you've got Hossalu, but Tony Moya, Mamadou Loom, that's their first season in La Liga. Edgar Mendes has played sort of half of a full season as a starter. And then you've got Luis Rioja and Perapons. Perapons did have two full seasons starting for Girona, and Luis Rioja has had a season starting in La Liga with Alaves. These aren't experienced, sort of proven La Liga players that they aren't players that have sort of been around and done it before these are players that are coming and they're for their sort of first go and I'm not saying they're coming from nowhere Tony Moya as you mentioned is former Atleti B player Mamadou Loom comes from Porto but yeah these aren't this isn't a great squad if you look at the Elche squad there's a lot more quality there than there is in the Alaves one yeah, exactly. I mean, one of the few experienced players they do have is Victor Laguardia, who keeps coming up with the important goals this season. I mean, the win over Elche that we mentioned earlier, he got the assist in that one. He got the winner against Atleti, the the opener in this one against Sevilla. So, I mean, Calleja has got the kind of star players, so to speak. I mean, Victor Laguardia, star player, <laughs> maybe maybe not. But he has got them performing, and there's just not a huge deal of, of talent in that score. So, for me, Calleja is doing a great job. And, and another coach who's come in with a, a difficult job is, is Kike Sanchez-Flores and, and Hetafe with a, a 4-0 win over Cadiz this weekend. So let's hand over to you now, Rory, as you spoke to Billy Monday, 
who's uh, who's one of our guys who's, who's usually in Cordoba, but he was in Madrid this weekend. So he was at the Coliseum Alfonso Pérez to see Hetafe demolish Gadith in perhaps the surprise result of the weekend. Otra vez el gol. Vaya pase, absolutamente maravilloso de Mauran Barri y salta en Esunal completamente solo para puntillar al Cádiz el tercero del cuadro azulón. Yes, I'm joined by Billy Monday, who who works for Marca as a colleague of Sam's. Billy, thank you for coming on the podcast and welcome on your sort of first time. Oh, thank you for having me. The pleasure is all ours. We have we have got a sort of live witness of Hitafe's four 0 win. They don't come around too often at the Coliseum Alfonso Perez uh, against Cadiz, and what was billed as quite a a six-pointer this early in the season, but what did you make of the game in general, Billy, and what were your sort of main takeaways from it? Well, I, I don't really know what a team with one win in the last 13 league games is supposed to look like, but it's really not the team that I saw um, at the Coliseum Alfonso Perez today. I mean, the Atafe, I mean, first half, they got a really early goal, which helped them a lot. Um, confidence has seemed such a major factor with them especially at home, um, you know, a slow start. It can get a bit nervy when you're at home to one of your relegation, supposedly relegation rivals. Um, but a seven, seventh-minute header for Matias Oliveira, really, really powerful, kind of a story of the game, really. It set, set the tone for, you know, 50-50s being won. He kind of clattered one of the Cadiz defenders at the back post to, to meet across and, and head it in. And from there, it, it, Cadiz kind of got a foothold in the game but it was it, they did have possession but they didn't and they really looked threatening um, and certainly Jorge Cuenca's second goal about midway or about on the hour mark um, another header f- from a set piece this time um, that kind of really helped Itafe settle um, and then build on what they already had I mean the fans were really really up for the game there were chance of you know seasip whether yes we can really referring to what well, such a terrible start they had and, and that yes we can now get out of a out of a relegation scrap that that we're almost certainly in um but if they play like they did, they did today for all of the, the rest of their home games and they have support like they did today then i mean i don't see why they why, why they can't kike sanchez flores seems to seems to have got the whole squad kind of going that the, for that seventh minute goal though it was already met by you know substitutes running off out the bench and onto the touchline just jumping in the air uh one of the one of the tafe subs ran on i think it might have been for the third goal Enes Unal, another header um in fact uh, he kind of ran over to celebrate with the whole team it may have been the fourth goal actually Jaime Mata scored in stoppage time and they kind of celebrated in 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 the actual net um really kind of pumping it you know getting the fans going shaking the net and screaming so it was quite a spectacle um it was kind of everyone felt as if they were as one fans players manager coaching staff so it was really impressive and i don't really know what they had been doing or um what what was going wrong in the first few games of the season under michel but oh that's in the past now it seems and they're kind of building for a new yeah, and you, you mentioned Kike Sanchez Flores, and they obviously moved from one former manager to another from from Michel. Michel, for me, I think he tried to sort of make Hatafe a much more attractive in adverted commas. That's obviously a subjective term, but attractive side, keeping the ball a bit more. What are the sort of hallmarks of Kike Sanchez Flores as Hatafe and or what did you see them kind of try and do today against a, a Cadiz team which is pretty well renowned for their style? I mean, more more than anything tactical. I mean, it's it seems to be more belief. Um, there's a lot of kind of mm-hmm. high fiving and patting each other on the back when you know made, someone's made a clearance or or shepherd the ball out shepherd the ball out of play. So it's a lot of it has been belief because I know before Michel was trying to trying a, a back three. Um, a little bit and he's kind of 
interchange between back three and back four. Um, but Kike Sanchez Flores seems to have settled on his back three and he's got them pretty well organised. Um, and so they are kind of working as a unit now. They don't, they don't, they don't want to have possession. It seems like Cadiz, a team really renowned not to enjoy having the ball, but they they did have large spells of it in the first half. Um, but Atafa really didn't look like, you know, giving anything away. They were really confident, lots of belief. Um, he's just very very calming figure, isn't he, Kike Sanchez Flores? So it must be quite uh, good to play under him. Quite reassuring. Football is un estado de ánimo. It's a, a sort of state of uh, emotion in, in the words of Jorge Valdano. And I just wanted to quiz you because Getafe 4-0, we don't often see them score that many goals. And I think myself, like many others, have had doubts about their their abilities in the striking department. Enes Unal scored again today. Four goals in his last four games. Jaime Mata got on the score sheet. Just, again, sort of based on your impressions, do you think they have enough up front to, to stay up and to, to make the difference? Uh, well, they're going to have to if they are going to stay up. I mean, there's not there's <laughs> not too many goals hanging around in that team anymore um, other than, well, there's not too many goals in their front line either, but that that is, can they score enough goals to kind of get them to 40 points and win them enough games to get the 40 points? Um, we, we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, and as you know, Jaime Mata, I mean... Mata came off, off the bench I think um, today, and he because the whole group is kind of seems to be together. There's no kind of sulking or anything like that. So he came off the bench, really energetic, really got the crowd going. Lots of um, you know, I mean, let's let's get this straight. The Cadiz were really not very good. Um, so any striker, I suppose, is going to have. <laughs> have a, a confidence builder against anyone it might be Cadiz at the moment um, so Enezu now Jaime Mata if they can keep these this kind of form going the, the next four games actually uh, three of them are against well teams you might suspect to be in a relegation battle and Osasuna doing well but they've got Mallorca and Alaves as well coming up um, both the way actually so if they can get those two strikers and get goals in those games and if they, they can contribute towards at least draws or wins then you know they definitely build on that for the rest of the season give them belief that they can go on and get to that 40 point march I'm sure they're aiming for there's you know absolutely no question about that uh, but home games definitely they'll have that backing from the crowd uh, away games is where it's it's going to be won or lost I think Certainly, it looks like it's going to be tight and tense at the at the Coliseum all season. They, they do look like they are in for the long haul in terms of that battle. But I shall throw it back to Sam, and thank you very much for your time, Billy. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Cheers for that, Billy, and thanks, Rory, as well. So let's move on now to our, our final section of the week. So let's talk about the MVP for this weekend. I mean, some unexpected heroes... I suppose you could say in some cases. I mean, Rory, who was who was one of your best picks from this weekend? For me, Tony Cross did a really great job, and that is not an unexpected pick. But he was at his sort of metronomic best. He provided two assists this week, and it's it's very easy to get used to how good these players are. Tony Cross, again, he's not sort of the flashiest player in the world, but he's just so good at everything he does. Everything is so precise, and I think. He probably does go a bit underappreciated just for that simple fact that he's not always scoring goals or providing these sort of dramatic bits of play. But ha- having someone who who's so reliable and so reliably good is is invaluable to Real Madrid and to any side. Yeah, I mean he was kind of the elite player there, wasn't he? I mean that's the the Tony Cruz we know and love and. And after his injury at the start of the season, it's taken him a while to get going, but I think we saw the best of him against Granada. My pick is going to be another midfield general, so to speak, that we've already discussed, but a very different kind of player, Tony Moya. Um, came from Atleti B to Alaves in the summer on a free transfer. I mean, he was playing in Segunda B, the, the third tier last season. And I think with each passing game, he seems to get better. He seems to settle in more to, to Calleja's team, to, to Alaves's style. And I think he just looks more and more at home in Primera. I mean, it was his corner for, for La Guardia's header 
to open the scoring. I mean, it was a perfect corner. It was kind of the the ideal centre back dream of kind of pinged in just the right height, the right speed, far post, and and for Laguardia, he had it on a plate. But I mean, Tony Moya. I mean, he's just one of those players who maybe you don't notice him in the same way as Tony Cruz. He's not going to be creating chance after chance, but he just keeps things ticking in midfield and. And with Alaves and the squad they have, I mean, you touched on it before and kind of the players they have, he's really kind of taking up a leadership role, even though he's only 23 and and he's the youngest of the, the ones that started in midfield at the weekend. I think he's still kind of shining more than Pere Pons, who's got much more Primera experience. I think his kind of elite roots, his background at Atleti, that kind of thing is starting to shine through from time to time. And I think this was one of those performances where he's really kind of establishing himself as as a Primera player, so he's my shout. What about you then, Rory? Who's your who's your second pick? For me, I'm going for a similar sort of, maybe not type of midfielder, but another sort of midfield general, someone who, who bosses it, and that is Mauro Arambari, who, who's a firecracker of a player. I think most people who see him love to watch him because he's kind of all over the place. Typical Garacharua of uh, any Uruguayan player that you tend to see in in La Liga and his I think he missed the game three four weeks ago for Hitafe and it was just as if the sort of air and energy had gone out of this Hitafe side because he provides so much of it and it's not just to say that he's an enforcer because he is all over the park he is very effective at breaking things up intercepting tackling not afraid to foul either but um, he he does have the quality as well to sort of provide assists as he as he did today and he's just a really good player and you can see why Bordelas was so keen to bring him to Valencia this summer um, even though he couldn't get the deal done exactly I mean I think that's the thing with Adam Baddy is that people think of him as kind of a tough tackling midfielder but I mean on Sunday created five chances he had 85 percent pass accuracy I mean this was was much more than than just a defensive midfield kind of performance and so I think we've got three midfield generals already so it's only fair that that we had in a bit of flair with our final pick so I'm going to go for Yannick Carrasco I mean I don't think we had any outstanding attacking performances this weekend I think Betis had a couple of good ones Nabil Fakir maybe they could have been in there but for me Yannick Carrasco was the kind of player that that changed the game. I mean, he didn't necessarily get the goal. I mean, that was obviously Felipe's late winner. But Carrasco was a constant thorn in Osasuna's side. I mean, he just so energetic, so much pace, so much drive up and down that left flank. And I mean, we saw some of his skills. I mean, turning players inside out, inside the box. I mean, this is exactly what Yannick Carrasco can be at his best. And I think for a long time, Atleti were kind of just throwing crosses into the box against Osasuna. But Yannick Carrasco was the one player who was trying to to do something a bit different, a bit more dynamic. And that's what Atleti are all about in this kind of new Atleti that Diego Simeone has built. So I think for me, it wasn't the best team performance from Atleti. You can't compare that to Hetafe, Real Madrid or Alaves, the other picks. But for an individual performance and, and inspiring a team to keep going, I would say Yannick Carrasco is definitely up there. So that's our four picks then. So make sure you can you check out our Twitter on Monday and, and get your votes in for the, the MVP for match day 14. So just before we finish, Rory, what would be your moment of the weekend? For me, I am sticking at the Coliseum Alfonso Perez and it's Javi Mata, who, Jaime Mata even, <laughs> who scored an absolutely gorgeous volley. I think it was his first goal in, I forget exactly how many it was, they said on the commentary, but it's 22, 23 games. Yeah, I think March and was his last Goal. Yeah, just just an insane sort of release of emotion from him afterwards. He goes into the net and then he, he's sort of rippling it, and you could really see the uh, the anger and frustration coming out of him. And yeah, it was nice to see him striking the ball that way again because it's easy to forget that he was a really good goal scorer for for Jose Bordalas and at Getafe's peak in Europe, he he was leading the line as effectively as anyone in the league. Yeah, and his 100th goal in professional football as well. So I imagine being, what was that, from March to, to November, that long wait for the 100th goal must have been torturing for for him. <laughs> but my pick is going to be, I think it has to be a late winner. I don't think you can ignore an 87th minute winner. Only in, natural. And obviously Atletico Madrid, that's where my, my affection lies. So I think for me, I mean, especially for Felipe, I mean, he's had a lot of criticism of late. 
and I've been the first to criticise him more often than not as well. I don't think he's anywhere near he was at his, when he was at his best a couple of years ago. So for him to get that that header at the death, I mean, it was very much kind of bombardment of the Osasuna goal for much of that game. And and it was the kind of game where we've seen Atleti two or three years ago drop points. And so to get that winner, I think it meant so much more necessarily than just the the goal itself or the three points on this occasion. So I think that was a huge moment. And, and not just for in terms of this weekend, but in terms of the whole season, I think that can really help Atleti to keep kicking on and, and provide that title challenge. And I think they are one of the few teams that can rival Real Madrid, as we said. So so I think it'll be interesting to see. So let's head out with, with that commentary. So thank you for joining us, Rory. No problem, no problem. The narrative god strike again with Felipe. It's always the way, isn't it? After he messes up with uh, Anfield, he had to come back at, at the Metropolitano with a, a fantastic late winner. So... So let's listen to that. Thanks for listening to us. Make sure you stay tuned across the week. We've got Champions League action, Europa League action. Everything will be covered on our Twitter. We'll also have some new blogs. We've got a new post up this week on Jeremy Pino and a player profile of him, his journey and and what lies ahead for him. And then we'll be back again next weekend after another action-packed weekend of La Liga football. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Mira, Felipe. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.